Now to New Zealand's dirty little secret that's not so little. A recent report by Land, Air, Water, Aotearoa, or Lawa, has painted an alarming, albeit sadly familiar, picture of 1,700 of the country's rivers and lakes. The data published last week revealed two-thirds of monitored river sites rated poorly for harmful E. coli, while nutrient pollution is turning 60% of our lakes into breeding grounds for algal and invasive plant growth. However, the results are merely the latest in a worrying trend that scientists say is difficult to reverse. A regional council plan to turn the tide on the Waikato River's health, making it safe to swim in and take food from, is expected to take 80 years and likely in many of our lifetimes. Dr Roger Young, Freshwater Ecosystems Manager at the Cawthron Institute and scientist with the Lawa Project, says while some freshwater bodies have seen improvement, a so-called overnight fix is out of the question. Kia Roger. Morning, how's it going? Really good. Can you overview the latest report, please? Um, yes, this was the latest um, update uh, for about 1,500 rivers and 200 lakes throughout New Zealand for data right up to the end of June 2022. Um, so as you, as you mentioned, um, some concerns, the uh, ecological health and fecal contamination, uh, some signs of problems at about two-thirds of our monitored sites around the country of our rivers, uh, some signs of improvement in some of the indicators that we look at, like water clarity, phosphorus concentrations, and um, ammonia concentrations, but other indicators like the MCI, which is um, the critters that live on the, on the bottom of our rivers, um, signs of degradation still over time uh, for that indicator. Um, for the lakes, uh, similar um, picture there, our lowland shallow lakes are in pretty poor or very poor condition, while some of our deeper upland lakes um, are something we can still be very proud of. Those MCIs are interesting, aren't they, because there's often a debate between scientists and uh, government agencies over what should be measured in order to use a certain terminology. I recall that debate in great detail. And often scientists also point to the lack of a focus on the so-called MCI. Just remind us why they matter, why those little living creatures most of us can't even see are an important indicator of freshwater, uh, of, of, of health. Yeah, so that MCI stands for the Macroinvertebrate Community Index. And so that's there's a range of uh, little insects and worms and crustaceans and things that live uh, in our rivers and streams. And because they're in there all the time, they're reflecting the, the conditions over a long period. And some of those species are very sensitive to pollution um, and some of them are quite tolerant to pollution. So if you're at a site and you find lots of sensitive species, then that's a sign that 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 site is in good health, whereas if you're at a site and you only find very pollution-tolerant species, then then that's a sign that something um, is not good, either in the habitat or the quality of the water. Can we talk about the gradings that are used? What do the bands A, B, C, D mean for our waterways? Yeah, so there's a relatively new bit of legislation called the National Policy Statement for Freshwater Management that initially came in in 2014 and has been updated uh, several times since, and so they've got a framework there, essentially a school report card kind of thing, A, B, C, D, or, or faecal contamination, it's A, B, C, D, E. So there's a A being the best and D or E being the worst, and there's a for most of the indicators, there's a national bottom line, so a requirement to um, maintain or improve health, and if you're below the national bottom line, which is in most cases below the C, you're in the D or the E, 
um, then there's a requirement to improve the conditions um, to above the national bottom line. And what are we seeing? Obviously, if it's new rules, you may not be able to compare and contrast, but what are we seeing? How many are falling into that CD or E-band? Um, yeah, so for the for the MCI score, there's about two-thirds are in the C and D wow. at the moment of the monitored sites, um, and same for faecal contamination, um, about two-thirds are in the, those bands that uh, are areas of concern. It's worth noting that the, the monitored sites are not necessarily a an unbiased picture of all of New Zealand waterways. There's a lot of the monitoring effort is in areas where there are concerns likely to be, so it paints a slightly less um, or a, a slightly more negative picture of, of the reality overall, but still that's um, a good picture of our, our managed environment and it means that we need to keep working on this. It's a problem that um, what, what's the trend, say, over 10 or 20 years? And I know that a lot of focus came on dairy at the time we had the big dairy expansion happening. Oh, goodness, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, perhaps, there was a big expansion in dairy and a, a lot of focus on the impact of that. Uh, if you look over yeah. a long, you know, longer trend, is there a steady worsening, a plateauing, a sudden worsening? How would you describe it? Um. Yeah, so it depends on which indicators. Some some of the indicators are responding more quickly than others. Um, I think there's general recognition that this is a problem and there's a lot of action going on to try and improve things. Um, and things like water clarity, phosphorus and ammonia, the signs of improvement over the last uh, 10 to 15 years. But the MCI score that we've already talked about, um, the signs of ongoing degradation there, so things are getting worse. So um, I guess the those the habitat and things, it's not just about water quality, it's it's the habitat and we've got climate change and uh, all those sort of things mixed in as well. So the MCI score is a, is a very broad um, overarching thing that um, will take time to to respond to the improvements. That and what's on. the urban impact, by the way, on this? Because in some of these waterways we would have seen significant uh, human um, habitation Expansion, more sewage yeah, plants, yeah. or perhaps not, uh, more sewage plants. Yeah, so, um, so what's uh, yeah. more, more industrial activity? What's the human impact on this? Urban impact on yeah, this? Yeah, so we, we compared uh, for rivers. We compared the the status of urban with rural sites and plantation forestry sites and native forest sites, and the, for all the indicators, really the worst situation is for urban streams, so they are under. Uh, the most degraded, followed by pastoral, then plantation forest, and then native forest. So, um, so yeah, our urban streams are in poor health. Um, you could say, well, that's only about one percent of our river length is is urban streams, so maybe it's not such a problem. But nine out of ten of us live in urban areas, so it's really uh, our neighbouring streams that run near our houses are, are likely to be um, pretty degraded condition. And so, um, it's great to see some of the efforts local urban groups getting together, catchment groups, trying to do things uh, to their urban streams, but it's a real challenge. What of the toxic algal blooms, uh, where are they appearing where they hadn't before or worsening? Um, yeah, toxic algal blooms are a response to increased nutrients and more light and things in the in the waterways. Um, we're also looking for them more more effectively as well. So we're certainly finding them in rivers. There's a, a organism called Microcoleus that is a black algae, or it's a 
it's a blue-green algae that lives on the bottom of rocks and is potentially toxic. Um, we're finding it a lot uh, in lowland rivers, um, and it is responding to increases in nitrate concentrations to some extent and low phosphorus concentrations. So it's it's certainly a concern. In our lakes, the, the toxic algae are up in the water column, and again, they're uh, responding to high nutrient concentrations, so it's it's generally in those sort of um, yeah heavily modified areas where there's a lot of nutrients going into the lakes where toxic algae are a concern. Uh, we've got a current case, haven't we, um, with uh, what's happened to the water supply in Queenstown, and again, uh, unable so far to identify the source of this cryptosporidium in the uh, in the community at the moment, but. Uh, may never be able to prove that it's water, but certainly it's uh, suspect number one. Um, and, you know, it's... Can you speak again to what the pressures are on, on some of these? It is a lot of it. We talked about the farming, and it, it remains um, the practice of farming, the volume of farming uh, in certain areas remains an, uh, an issue. But the urbanisation around some of these waterways has been rapid and a struggle for infrastructure to keep up. Can you comment? Um, yes, yep. So the urban effects, um, our infrastructure, especially sewerage and those sort of things is a, is a big expense. And, um, and if there's shortcomings in that, some of our infrastructure is aging and there's problems identified in various places around the country with their infrastructure. And so if you end up with... Um, sewage leaking or entering waterways, then um, you're going to have problems if that's uh, the biggest risk is from human, human uh, waste uh, because the, there's likely to be more disease associated with that. Animal waste is also a problem, um, but the human waste is particularly important to keep out of our waterways, so it just shows the, um, the value of investing in infrastructure and the need to invest more and I guess the, some of the challenges uh, over time perhaps indicating there hasn't been enough investment in the infrastructure. Can we talk about the Waikato River and this ambition to restore it to a healthy river, to be able to swim in it? Why, I mean, it sounds a simple question and it is, but why so difficult to reverse things? How long does it take with the right measures to restore a waterway? Yeah, it's a big challenge because you, it's a massive area of land um, in terms of contamination of waterways. A lot of people think about the point sources, so the pipes that are going from wastewater treatment stations or stormwater going into rivers, and, and those point sources are relatively easy to to deal with. You, the, the, the inputs are contained and you can capture that runoff and treat it uh, or reduce it. But the, the real challenge is what we call non-point source runoff, so the, the general runoff of whether that's house roofs, uh, uh, house roofs or roads uh, in an urban area or across, over paddocks and um, those sort of things in our rural areas. So it's very difficult to capture that. It's coming from all over the place. And so that's where, um, yeah, effect or actions like Fencing off waterways, stopping stop getting into our waterways, um, planting riparian margins to shade the waterways and help filter um, the 
yeah, what's coming off the yeah. land contaminants. It's an extraordinary set of data, 1.8 million data points, um, Roger. And as we mentioned, there's been some improvements in some sites going up into the A and B bands. What are their stories? Is that where there's been determined efforts? Um, we haven't looked at in the individual sites in, in detail. Uh, I am involved with the um, River Health um, Awards thing that has looked at some of those things in the past. And yeah, there's, there's all sorts of uh, reasons for improvement. Some of it is better treatment of, of waste, those sort of things. It's reasonably easy to tie that down to changes. But some of the situation is more widespread actions, community groups getting involved and uh, doing those things like riparian planting, protecting and improving uh, wetlands. They're sort of the, the kidneys of our landscape. They take the waste and filter it before it gets into our main waterways. So Big loss of wetlands sort of in Southland in particular, net loss of 2,665 hectares of freshwater uh, repo or, or, or wetlands over the, what is it, 20-something years to 2018. Um, and is that farm-based farm, uh, farm based again or is it urban-based again? Is it, is it um, What's driven such an extraordinary change in that district in particular? Um, I don't know the details of that, but there'll be a mix of um, farm and urban. But yeah, certainly those those wetlands are really important, and we need to keep working to um, save our wetlands. We've lost over ninety percent of the wetlands that were in New Zealand originally, so um, there's quite a lot of effort into actually recreating wetlands. But it's it's so expensive to recreate wetlands. And we need to do everything we can to maintain um, and protect the ones we have. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Roger Young. Thank you.